So true that we are a chosen generation and you know you played a part in that and you continue to play a part in that. So thank you for volunteering. Thank you for always believing not just in the next generation but today's generation, the generation before us and all of us put together as the body of Christ. We can do amazing things with God. So thank you for putting your hearts forward in doing that. Thank you for giving every chair that they were able to sit on, every meal that they ate, every opportunity that they had to be on that ball field and play a sport, a game or something, or to feel included, to be a part of something bigger than themselves. You were a part of that because you gave. Your belief in what God is doing is so much greater than a, a dollar amount. No price can be put on someone's soul and someone's life. So thank you for giving. We're going to be praying for our tithes and offerings right now. And the reason why we pray over the tithes and offerings is because we believe that God is going to do something great with it. It's not just contributing to like an organization or some charity. We are putting our finances in the hands of our God. And what that does is it takes our normal worldly finances and He redeems it for His heavenly causes. And when people say yes to Jesus Christ, because we got to be a part of that and we got to give, one day when we get to heaven, we're going to see the impact on what God was able to do through the little that we give back to Him. It's a lot to us for some of us. When we give to God, it's like a big sacrifice. But no sacrifice was bigger than what Jesus did on the cross. This is just a small part of what we get to play in the big picture of what God is going to do. If you're new today, we want to say that uh, don't feel obligated to give. Just know that God wants you to receive today. Maybe you're dealing with some things or maybe you have some thoughts of, is God doing something in my life? Which He is. So really focus on what God is doing and we don't ever want you to feel pressured to give. And for those of us whom God has put on our hearts that we want to be included in this, then by all means, obey the Lord. Some of you have been on that fence. You're like, I don't know if I should. I'm trying to figure out my finances. You know the best person to help us figure out our finances? In my house, it's Heidi. But what is better than Heidi is our God. So Heidi and I together, we give to God and we trust in Him because He always provides. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for including us in the bigger picture of what you're doing. And Lord, even though we may struggle from time to time with our finances, we know that the best way to use our finances is to put it in the hands of the one who is able to multiply it. So that's what we do right now. We pray over this gift that we're giving back to you. You own everything. We just want to be a part of what you're doing. So can you use our finances to multiply your kingdom so that more people can come to know you as Lord and Savior? We pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. Go ahead, ushers. Well, you saw on that camp video, by the way, thank you to Travis Haspi who put that video together. Wasn't that an amazing recap of what took place? It's like if you're a teenager, you're like, Mom, I'm going. Dad, I'm going. So save up. We got one more year, uh, one year for the next one. But whenever we look at the things that we get to do for God, it starts with the relationship that we have with God and understanding that God is going to do something with us. 
The camp speaker, Pastor Marcus Ellington, is here with his wife and her family. Uh, Pastor Starr is here too. I'm not sure if she's, she's somewhere with, okay. We just wanted to honor you too, uh, Pastor Starr. I'm going to ask you to come up real quickly. Yeah, we'll, briefly if you can. And uh, we got some gifts for you, Kimo, if you can come up. Heidi's going to come up real briefly. Uh, we're going to welcome up Pastor Marcus Ellington in the way we do uh, here in Hawaii. But I just wanted, the reason why I'm welcoming up Pastor Starr, who is Pastor Marcus's wife, is because a lot of times the behind-the-scenes person, uh, they sacrifice so much. And you do that in your family. And I just wanted to say, Pastor Starr, thank you so much for all the sacrifices that you do that no one else sees. Because if Pastor Marcus is the one who's on the platform, people don't see the hard work that the both of you do together. And... In this case, you being the wife, you know, we always talk about the spouse because there are female pastors who speak. But a lot of times that person who is behind the scenes, who is praying, who is supporting and all of that goes amiss. But we don't want to miss on you. So thank you. We want to welcome up Pastor Marcus and Pastor Starr as they come up. We want to welcome you to our church. And thank you for being here this entire week. And then Pastor Marcus is going to be sharing with us the Word of God. So can we welcome Pastor Marcus as he shares? Bless you. Praise God. How's everyone doing this morning? Well, you look good. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, you look good today. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you look good today. Now, depending on which one was your spouse, you were more enthusiastic one way or the other, right? I hope so. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Well, good. My name is Marcus Ellington, and it is a privilege to be with you. But before we dive into the word, I want to take a moment to do something. Uh, Pastor Sheldon and Pastor Heidi are absolutely amazing people. Now, you would expect me to say that because I'm supposed to walk in honor, and that is, of course, true. But I'm taking the time to say that because I truly truly mean it. My wife and I have had the privilege now of getting to know them, and as we get to know them more, it is clear to see that the reservoir of their hearts are so full of the love of God that it just overflows into everything they do. I was thinking about this last night, and I thought, you know, honestly, Pastor Sheldon, you and your wife, you guys literally do such a phenomenal job at truly loving God and truly loving people, and I would say that all of us could feel that. So before we even go further, can we just give a round of applause for your amazing pastors? They are over-the-top amazing. Thank you, guys. Praise God. Well, God is good. My name is Marcus Ellington, as I mentioned, and I am not here alone. You saw my wife, Star, up here. But we also have two beautiful children, my son, Joshua, who is eight, and then my daughter, Judea, who is four. They are over in the kids' ministry, the Life Stage ministry, and they told us on Wednesday that they had an absolute blast. So thank you to everyone who serves here to make it fun for our young folks as well. Not only that, my wife is from Oahu, and she has family here on Hilo. So some of the family is here. We have her grandmother and her aunt, and they've come to be here as well. We are so blessed to be with New Hope this morning. I am convinced of this one thing, that God wants to speak a word to us today. Amen? If you believe that, can you do something with me? Can you bow your head so we can pray in agreement together and trust the Lord to speak to us? Father, we are so grateful for this opportunity to be in your word. Lord, I pray that as we communicate the good news of Jesus Christ, that you, by the power of your spirit, would be speaking to each and every one of us. Lord, I like to say there are no coincidences with you. We're here on purpose, not just because we intended to be, but you intended us to be. 
So Lord, because we're here, we're believing that you have a word to speak to each and every one of us. So Lord God, we open our hearts. In fact, church, you can out of your own mouth tell the Lord you open your heart to him. Lord, we open our hearts to receive whatever it is you would want to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. What well, is a privilege to be with you, and as mentioned earlier, we're going to start a new series today, and thank you, Pastor Sheldon, for letting me be the one to kick off this series, and uh, he's pretty smart. He probably thought, let him start it off, and if he goes the wrong way, that's okay. I'll fix it in the end, so it all works out, but I'm super excited to be here. I want to ask you guys something. How many of you like building things with your hands? Anyone at all? Good. Three or four of us. That's about it. <laughs> Truth of the matter is not everyone loves building with their hands, but how many of you like receiving things that have been custom made, that someone took the time and made and took the time to make details and, and ensure that everything was perfect? Anybody like receiving things that are custom, custom made? Yes. Some of you like to, to have custom made things like custom made couches, right? You want your couch to fit your hiney just perfectly, right? It, it has to be just right. Or some of you like things like custom cars. Any car lovers in this place today? Good, too. Wow, tough audience. <laughs> How'd you guys get here today? Was it horse and chariot? What happened? Truth of the matter is some of us like custom cars, things that are specific to our liking, this type of engine, these type of parts, these type of tires. We want the car to be a certain color. Custom-made things are usually more valuable because they were a person took time, not an assembly line, but a person took time to put every intricate detail together. Well, listen, as I was praying about this message and praying about the series that we're entering into, what kept coming back to my heart was the fact that the Bible clearly tells us that each and every one of us are custom made. Let that sink in for a moment. Each and every one of us are custom made. It's, a, it's interesting that God didn't just take all of us and put us on the assembly line and say, okay, all right, let's just start flushing out humans. Let's just start putting humans on the earth. But he specifically took time to handcraft and detail your specific story, your specific life. And today from the scripture, I want us to dive into that. There's something about things that are custom. They're valuable because usually they're one of a kind. There are not many other like it, if any at all. They're made to a detailed specification. It's di different and it's unique. The creator or the designer is the one who has the patent and the blueprint or the schematic to its design. And the creator or the designer is the one who knows the fullness of its capabilities. If you brought a Bible today, can you open with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number two, and I want to show you what the scripture has to say about this. Now, for many of you, you'd say, man, I've read this before, and I, and I think we all could say, yeah, at some point or another, we either read it or heard it, but as we prayed, we're going to open our hearts to allow God to minister this to us today. Ephesians chapter two, and I want to begin reading at verse number 10, one of my favorite portions of scripture. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says this. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can go do the good things he planned for us long ago. Notice, we are God's masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and say, you are God's masterpiece. Look at your other neighbor and say, you too are God's masterpiece. This is interesting because in the English, we use words like we are God's workmanship or we are God's masterpiece. But in the Greek language, the original language this was written in, the, the word that we translate into English is the word poema, poema. Now, some of you may recognize right away that that sounds like the word poem, the English word poem. We are God's poema, or we could say we are God's poem. We are his specific 
working that he took time to write or make or create. Anyone in here a poet? Wow. Anyone a wannabe poet? <laughs> I love your honesty. Yeah, the truth of the matter is sometimes, I, I know this, when I was courting my wife, when I was looking to pursue her to be my wife, Man, I was trying to pull out every single stop I could. Some of you husbands are grinning right now, like, uh-huh. Now listen, I'm trying to rhyme. I'm, try I'm not trying to be a rapper. I'm trying to be a poet, right? I'm trying to lay down the right lines, the right lyrics. I'm writing her things. In fact, before we were even dating, I took notice of this woman of God, and I said, my goodness, she is fine, right? That's what I thought. So what I decided to do was, I'm a pretty persistent guy, and deep down inside, there's this competitive edge where I'm like, you know what, man, I'm going to go after her, and, and I'm going to win, right? So this is what I started doing. I started writing her little things. See, we worked in the same job. We were both in the military together. So I would just send her emails every now and then, because, you know, it's easy to figure out someone's email in the military, because everyone's ended the same, first letter of your first name, and then your last name, at blah, blah, blah. It's easy, right? So I'm like, good, I know her name. I can send her this email. So I would send her a little email, say, hey, I hope you're doing well. You know, I was thinking about you the other day and just how kind you are. You know, just throwing little things out there. Every now and then I'll drop like a, a sticky note in her, her little file cabinet and just little thing. Just, hey, you know, I, I was driving to work today and as the sun was rising, I just, man, I, th I thought of your smile. You know, corny as can be, corny as can be. But you know what I was trying to do? I was trying to lay down the right lines because I wanted to somehow unlock her heart. Now, here's the problem. Everyone else on the base was doing the same thing. They all wanted to be with Star Ellington or Star Albert at the time. She was a beautiful woman of God. And I, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let these guys win. So check this out. For two years, look at your neighbor and say, two long years. For two years, I did whatever it took to get close to her. If she was going to be here, well, guess where I'm going to be? I'm going to be there. If she was going to be there, well, it just so happens to be that I'm going to be there, right? Making sure that she heard words from me, that I was kind to her, because I wanted her to know, hey, I value you. Hey, I like you. Hey, I think you are beautiful, right? Just gorgeous. Well, two years later, God did a miracle in my life. He opened her eyes to the man of God that I am, right? <laughs> he opened her eyes and, and she would even tell it. She actually says it that way. And we began the process of pursuing marriage. And let me tell you this, it's been a joy ever since. But I wanted to pretend, I wanted to, to do my best to lay out what was in my heart in poetry form and whatever form is necessary. Listen to this, the Bible says, just like a poet takes the time to structure a poem a certain way, to, to make sure the words, depending on the type of poem, rhyme, or that the stanzas are certain lengths, and, and they take the time to put intricate detail in their thought process with the words so they can convey a message a certain way. Just in that same way in thought of intentionality, the Bible says that's the type of workmanship that God has put into your life. Now let's be honest for a moment. Sometimes when you hear things like that, you think, no, no, I know me. My life is a mess. Let me tell you a secret. We've all been there. Some of us are there right now. In fact, you could, you could line up the people you think are the best people on the earth, and I guarantee you there's a mess in their life as well somewhere. I don't want you to disqualify yourself because of your own thoughts towards you. Because I love what God tells the children of Israel in the book of Jeremiah. He doesn't tell them this when they're at the peak of their national living. He tells them this when they are in captivity. He says, listen, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. 
Why are they in captivity? Because they refuse to obey God and do what he said. And listen to what he says to them. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And there's almost a, a pause for dramatic effect. And he says, and their thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. I wanna encourage you this morning that no matter how you see yourself, the Bible tells us how God sees us. And he says, you are my masterpiece. Yeah, but Lord, I made so many mistakes. Yep, and you are my masterpiece. Yeah, Lord, but every day I'm trying, but I keep falling down. Yep, and you are my masterpiece. I made you on purpose and for purpose, and I intentionally thought about you and created you to be someone amazing on this earth. This is the way God sees his people. So notice he says it again, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can go do good things that he planned for us long ago. Did you know God planned good things for your life? Did you know he planned good things for your life? Sometimes we go through hardships and we wonder, God, why, why, why? But we have to remember there's a real enemy, but the plan of God, his plan, is good for your life. Amen? So when we talk about poema, another word that comes to mind is the word schematic. Now, as I mentioned, Star and I were in the military. This is pretty cool because in the military, I like to say we had the coolest job. Star and I were stationed in Great Falls, Montana. Anybody know where Montana is? Mm -hmm, I expected that. All right. So Great Falls, Montana... A very cold place. It snows like eight months out of the year. I mean, I'm a California boy. She's a Hawaiian girl. And they send us to Montana. Come on, somebody. Why would you do that to us, right? So we, we're in Montana, but we had one of the coolest jobs. We actually worked with what's called ICBMs, or intercontinental ballistic missiles. So we worked on nuclear weapons that can reach any place in the world within 30 minutes. I mean, absolutely crazy. But we worked in the nuclear weapon silo. So all of the support systems that kept that missile ready and operational, we worked on. So it was amazing to, to see some of the things we got to see and to handle some of the things we got to handle. But one of the things I'll never forget is after you, you graduate basic training, you go to what's called your technical training school. And my technical school was in California. So I remember I walked in one day and I saw this long picture, about 10, 10 feet long and about four feet high, this long picture on the wall. And I said, what is that? And they said, oh, that's a schematic of the entire missile system. And I remember I walked up to it and I'm looking at diodes and capacitors and relays and transformers. And I'm looking at all these things and thinking, oh my, God, how will I ever figure this out? And the professors are, they get a kick out of this. They're just kind of in the back smiling. They say, don't worry, we'll teach you everything you need to know. Before you're done with this class, you'll know the entire system on paper before you ever go touch it in real life. And I thought, oh my goodness. But it was interesting, as they began to teach us, we started learning how the, the electricity would flow and where AC power was needed and where DC power was needed and how if you press this button, the solenoid would engage and it would actually trip this relay and this relay would open and cause this to happen. I mean, it was amazing to, to learn the inner workings of something like that. But it wasn't for years later until the Lord began to show me how this, how he took that stage of my life and he's now applying it now. And he says, Marcus, you know that detailed schematic where every single intricate detail was laid out in that gigantic picture? Yes, yes, Lord. That's how detailed I've gotten in your life. I've laid out every single step and made you something unique and amazing. And listen, when that missile system functions the way it's supposed to function, it's actually called a retaliatory weapon. It's not a first strike weapon. It's actually there as a deterrent. So people know, 
I don't think you want to mess with the United States. Because if we launch one of these at you, it, it can be devastating for you. Listen, this thing, when it works properly, oh, it works. The Lord is saying, you're not made for destruction, though, Marcus, like maybe something like that is. But when you work properly, oh, it's a beautiful thing to see. See, the question we're asking ourselves is we're trying to find our why. Why would I live this life for Jesus? Why would I serve in ministry? Why would I serve him every day? Because he took the time to not only send his son Jesus to die to redeem you or buy you back, but he took the time to make you brand new in Christ so that you can function at your highest abilities. You will never be able to function as the person you were created to be without God. Too many of us are trying, though. Too many of us are basing our lives' decisions on our own understanding. We're leaning on things like we have job options and opportunities, and we just simply say, well, which one pays more? Which one has better benefits? Which one has the, the, the best career advancement? And all of those are good things. And hey, how many of you know we've all been there before? But what if the people of God started backing up and saying, wait a minute, if God made me as a masterpiece, maybe he knows exactly what I should be doing. So instead of me leaning on my own understanding, what if I stopped and came to God and just took some time to pray and said, oh Lord, I have these opportunities before me. But what are you saying to do? Where are you saying to go? Where do you want me to live? Listen to this. Who do you want me to marry? Just going to let that one hang right there for a little bit. I am convinced that when we tap into who God created us to be, we find our why and we recognize that serving God is not out of slavery. Slur serving God is from freedom. We serve God because we're free from the bondage of sin and death so that we can live the life he created us to live. I don't know about you, but that's worthy of an amen. God is faithful. Listen to this. I want to show you a couple of schematics. I'm going to start with something really simple. We have a picture of a flashlight, but it's not a flashlight like you know it. This is a schematic of a flashlight. Now, this is interesting because you think, what? <laughs> this, what is this? Well, on the left side, well, your left there, it, that's, that's where we would call our power source. But then if you look at the top, there's a switch. It opens and it closes. If that switch is open, it's like your flashlight switch, it can't complete the circuit so that flashlight, that bulb that's on the right, will never be powered up. That's a simple picture, but that's a schematic. That's the details behind what the flashlight is. Let's look at the next picture. The next picture is a house fan. This is a simple fan. It has high and low. You see that switch there? Notice this is a little more detailed and intricate than the previous one. Now, the reason I wanted to use a house fan is because I was sitting in the house the other day and it was hot. <laughs> and I was thinking about a fan and I said, well, there it is. That's a fan. Now, when you think about a fan in your mind, that's not what you see. But the engineer, the designer, that's what they think. Say, hmm, how can I put this together to where it works? Watch this next one. I'm going to put up the next one. I won't even tell you what it is. Look at that. Whew. This is something that most of us use every day. You know what this is? This is a microwave oven. <laughs> I'm just happy the microwave works. Some of that stuff I'm looking at, like, I don't even remember what that stuff is. Look at all those details. There's a certain time when power is applied. Then you, you hit the buttons on the front that send signal to tell different components, when to turn on and when to turn off and for how long to be on. I mean, this is a schematic. The details, every part, everything that's necessary. Notice this. Every one of those components are necessary for that thing to function properly. Some of you wonder, why do I have this type of personality? Oh, man, why, why do I act like this? Why am I... Don't get down on yourself. Those components 
are necessary for you to function in the way God created you to function. Can you imagine if we were all exactly the same? Now, depending on who you are, that may be good or it may not. But I noticed something. When I get around people who act like me, I get irritated. <laughs> My wife and I laugh about that all the time. It's like, hey, I'm supposed to be me. You're acting like me. This is too much me in the room. We cannot do this, right? <laughs> but there's something beautiful when you see different parts doing their share. In fact, the scripture says when every part does its share, it causes growth of the whole body. Why do we serve? Because God bought us back from death. He made it to where we can conquer sin. He made us specifically to do something specific on this earth. And now we have the privilege from freedom to do so. You're right there in Ephesians chapter two. Look at verse number one. I want to read this to you because it wasn't always this way. It wasn't always this just beautiful picture of God made us on purpose for a purpose. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verse one. It says this, in the same thought, it says, in you, he made alive, speaking of God, he made you alive, who were, notice this, dead in trespasses and sins, in which, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. He's referencing Satan, the devil, the adversary. Listen to this, verse three. Among whom we all, notice this, all of us once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like everyone else. Now, here's one of the biggest buts in the Bible. You ready for this? Verse four, it says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Listen to this. By grace, unmerited favor, you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself, nope, it's a gift of God. It's not of your works, nope, because if it was, we would be able to boast. Notice this, we were once just like the rest of the world, under the sway of the wicked one, living by our own passions and our own desires. But God, who's so rich in mercy, when we talk about grace, we talk about unmerited favor. When we talk about mercy, we talk about not getting what we deserve. People talk about justice all the time. We, I want what I deserve. Well, spiritually, if we want what we deserve, you know what we deserve? We deserve death. Because the Bible says the wages or the payment for sin is death. But God, who is rich in not giving us what we truly deserve, he made us alive together with Christ Jesus. That line alone should be enough for us to say, oh Lord, what should I do now for you since you've accomplished such a great feat for me? Why do I serve? Because I get to serve the one who set me free to live for him, amen? God is faithful. Listen to this, guys, I think this is interesting. God's called his people. He's called us out of darkness. Listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
I love how Paul continues his letter to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 4. In verse 1, he says this, Therefore I, a prisoner serving for the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Notice that God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Lead a life that's worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Paul also says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.9. He says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life, a set-apart life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because this was his plan from the very beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Hmm. That's why we can live our life in such a way that it glorifies our Father in heaven when men see it. So many people think that with the Christian life, we can kind of just go with the flow. Whatever the world's doing, we'll just kind of, we don't want to make waves, right? We just go with the flow. But how many of you know going with the flow will lead you according to what Jesus said? Remember, there's only a narrow way and a broad and wide way. Going with the flow is going to lead you to the broad way, but ultimately that way leads to destruction. I want to tell you a quick story before we prepare to close up today. When I was in high school, I wanted to play basketball, right? I remember in eighth grade, graduating, all our friends were like, man, what, what sport are you going to play? I said, oh, man, I'm going to play basketball. It's, you know, you, the normal teenage mind, I'm going to play basketball and I'm going to go to the NBA after college. You know, all these fantasies, right? <laughs> so I, I had this thought. And my mom's like, Marcus, you know, I've been thinking about this. I don't, I don't, I don't want you to play basketball. And I'm looking at her like, well, what do you mean? She goes, I, I want you to go to this, this program called ROTC. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I want you to go to this program called ROTC. And I'm like, um, yeah, mom, listen, listen. I'm starting my high school career now. ROTC is not what I'm going to do. I'm going to go play basketball. She's like, first she's like being all nice about it. No, I really think you should look into this. You should try this. And then as we get closer to the school year, she's like, yeah, you're not playing basketball. Well, whose decision is this? This is my life, you know? She's like, nope, this, I'm sorry. You're going to go to ROTC. So I signed up for the summer program of ROTC. Let me go see what this thing is all about. I get in the program. I actually like it. I actually excel in the program, and I win the, the award for the airman of the summer, you know. And they're like, good job, Airman Ellington. Are you going to come back during the year? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, well. They're like, we have this competitive drill team that travels all around the nation, and we think you could be on that. So now I'm starting to get excited. Like, man, I like competition. Like, that, that seems pretty awesome. So I'm talking to my mama. She's like, don't even bring up the basketball thing. You're, you're going. You're going to this. All right. So I sign up. And let me tell you, the first time I had to wear my uniform on campus, I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. Because, I mean, this is high school. You're walking around and you've got this little skinny uniform on. That's before skinny jeans. <laughs> like, nowadays, it's not a big deal. But back then, it was like, what are you doing, you know? And I was so embarrassed. But listen. I started progressing in the program. I started being promoted. And before you know it, the summer of my junior year, going into senior year, my commanders called me in. They said, hey, uh, Airman Ellington, you have done phenomenal over these four years. We're going to make you the commander of the program for the senior year. And I'm like, wow, what a privilege. And they go, but we want you to get your feet wet this summer. So I'm like, oh, perfect, perfect. So summertime comes around. We have this whole onslaught of, of folks who come to summer school, and they're, they're just fresh, right? They're, they're just ready to be taught. So we're trying to make it as much like the military as possible. So we're yelling and screaming, making people do push-ups. It's crazy. 
this one big day comes where you have to do your physical fitness test. And part of our physical fitness test is your runs and your push-ups and your sit-ups. But then there's this swimming portion where you have to, you start on the side, you do a certain amount of push-ups, do a certain amount of push-ups or sit-ups. Then you run and you jump into the pool, you swim across a couple times, you come back, you do it all over again. It's a time test. And I'll never forget this. We're yelling at these kids and they're all nervous and their eyes are big and they're lining up at attention. They're, they're just, I mean, these guys are like, what is happening? You know, they're probably like me. Their mom forced them to sign up. So they're just there like, why mom, why? And these kids are standing there, you know, pools, you know, the big pools at school, there's the deep end that's like 13 feet. And then it goes like to the shallow end, like three feet or whatever it is. Well, we're not asking kids anything. We're just saying, line up, let's go, let's go. And, and I'll never forget, they all line up and I got the whistle around my neck. I'm feeling good. And I say, when I blow this whistle, every one of you are going to run and jump into this pool. You're going to swim across. I'm going through the whole thing. And, and they're excited. I think at least I'm excited, right? I'm enjoying this. And I take that whistle out and I blow the whistle. And just splash, splash, splash everywhere. Kids take off running. I mean, it's pretty neat. So I'm walking around and I got my sergeant right here with me. And I noticed something. People are progressing in their swimming. They're moving. But out my peripheral, I see just this duck. <laughs> it's like this guy swaling like a duck, you know. And I'm, I'm like, what is happening? Oh. I think this guy's drowning, right? <laughs> so he's doing this and he's looking, his eyes are about this big. So I'm watching him like, he, I don't think he can swim. He's in the 13 feet, right? He's just doing this. I'm surprised he's staying up. So I run, I take my whistle off, my things out, and I jump in the water and I grab this guy. Now, of course, you know what he's doing. He's pushing me down so that he can stay up. So I'm like, okay, get back to the side or both of you are going to die. Like, let's go, you know? So we're trying to get back. We finally make it back to the side and I say, bro, what are you doing? I, I don't know how to swim. Well, I think that's apparent, right? <laughs> Why did you line up on that side? Why did you get in the deep end? Why didn't you say anything? Well, I, I was scared, man. I just, wanted, I just wanted to go with the flow so I can make it through. I just didn't want to cause any trouble. Listen, it's interesting how you go through little situ situations and scenarios in your life, and it's not until years later that you begin to see the picture that's painted. He just wanted to go with the flow. Didn't want to cause any trouble. But notice that going with the flow almost led to his destruction. What if I wouldn't have saw him? Ugh, what if we had to give him mouth to mouth? I mean, think about what this could have been. He's so afraid to make waves. Boy, you were making a lot of waves in the pool. <laughs> like, that was all bad. You should have just said, I can't swim. Please, before we get started, someone needs to know, I can't swim. I don't want to just go with the flow. But too many of us are afraid to stand up and say, hey, hey, I need help. I hear you talking about how much God loves me and that he has a plan for me, but honestly, I don't even know how to stay afloat. I've just been going with the current. I, I don't even know how to step into the side of, man, God loves me and, and, and seeing in him revealing this plan to me. But listen, that's what I said in the beginning. We're here on purpose and for a purpose, and you're here today on purpose and for a purpose. I believe that some of you today, for the first time, are gonna give your life to Jesus. But I also believe there's some of you in this room right now who have given your life to Jesus before, maybe even multiple times. And even as you sit here now, you're listening to these stories and, and your outward expression is just, yeah, everything's good. But inside, something's crying out and you're saying, I need help. I can't swim. I've been going with the flow and I'm drowning over here. Somebody please save me. The truth of the matter is we have a savior. He specializes in saving. And it's his desire to pluck you out of that place where you're drowning, get you all cleaned up, let you regain your breath and begin to speak life into you. 
clean you up from the inside out and put you on track to fulfill what he specifically designed you to fulfill. Can you do me a huge favor today? Can you all over this building just bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to pray together. And the reason I ask you to bow your heads is obviously in reverence to our God, but to close your eyes because I don't want us to be distracted by what anyone else may be doing around here. I want our focus to be on God and what he's speaking to our hearts. And some of you say, well, how do I know God's speaking? Just take a moment and listen. You know that little voice you hear sometime and you you call it your conscience maybe sometime. You say, "I, I hear, sometimes I hear this pulling this way or pulling that way or saying, hey, that's not the right thing. Listen, just take the time and listen. I've noticed in America nowadays we're so busy with life that we hardly ever slow down to just get quiet and even think about what we're thinking about. Anytime I prepare a message, I pray this same prayer. I ask the Lord, Lord, give me what you want me to say. For me, obviously, because I'm always a student of God's word, but also for everyone who's going to be in the room. And I believe that some of you are here, and today's the day (laughs) that you go from being dead or out of darkness to being alive and pulled into his marvelous light. If you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want you to take control. I believe that you lived on this earth sinless and died in my place, that you were raised again and are alive today. I'm ready, Lord, to take that step. If that's you and you're in this place, I want you to be bold today. Everyone's eyes are closed. Everyone's heads bowed. This is between you and the Lord. But if that's you in this place and you're ready to dedicate your life to Jesus, just right now, just go to slip your hand in the air. Just slip your hand up. If you say, I'm I'm ready to give Jesus my life. Great. I see that hand there. See hands there. Praise God. See hands here and there. Praise God. Hands there. God is so good. Look, people are making decisions right now. See your hand in the back as well. Making decisions right now to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. You can go to put your hands down. Some of you may be in this room and you say, I've done that before, but I've gone off track. I've gone astray, but I'm ready to come back. If that's you, if you're saying, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus, just put your hand in the air. Just go ahead and do it now. Good. I see those hands. Look at that. More hands all over the place. People saying, I'm ready to get back on track with Jesus. Hands all over this building. Praise God. Go ahead and put your hands down. There may be some of you in this room who say, you know what? I've been walking with the Lord, but I have not been intentional about seeking him regarding the plan he has for my life. But I'm ready to make a commitment today that I'm going to start. I'm recognizing the why, and I wanna serve him from freedom. If that's you, I want you to just put your hands up. If you're saying that's me, good. Hands all over the building, people making that decision. Praise God, we're gonna pray together. I want you to repeat after me out loud. You can put your hands down. Let's, let's pray this prayer of salvation. Let's pray this together. Dear God, all together, let's pray this out loud. Dear God, we thank you for Jesus. We believe in our hearts and confess in our mouths that Jesus is Lord. We confess with our mouths that he is Savior. He died in our place. He was raised again. He's alive today. And I declare that he is my Lord. I no longer live this life for myself. I now live for him. 
And Heavenly Father, I pray over everybody in this room and we say thank you. Thank you so much for those who have committed their lives to you for the first time, who have rededicated their lives to you. And Lord, now even pray over those who are saying they're ready to get on track so that you can be the one who directs their steps and shows them your plan for their lives. I pray, Lord, by your spirit that you begin to reveal your next steps for folks and that as you do so, we begin to walk in alignment with what you have for us so that ultimately we would be those who function at the fullest height, the fullest depth, the fullest, the fullness, I should say, of what you created us to be. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's